0: My name is Owen Walsh, and this is the Brussels Beer City Podcast. Each week, a fascinating Brussels resident invites me, your host, to their favorite Brussels bar, where, over a drink or two, we talk about the importance of the bar to our guests, their relationship to Brussels, what they love, what they hate, and why they couldn't live anywhere else. My guest on today's episode is Rachel Moore, Rachel is the coordinator of Rainbow House Brussels, the city's umbrella organization of the LGBTQI associations. In the bar downstairs from her office, we talk about Rachel's journey from Liverpool to Brussels and, crucially, which of the city's football teams she supports, celebrating Pride during a pandemic and the hate-love relationship with Brussels that she has, which, despite the best efforts of the city, inevitably leads towards love. As you will have guessed the podcast has moved from a weekly to a bi-weekly schedule from now on so it should be dropping in your podcast stream every two weeks from now on and i'm already looking ahead to season two and i want to hear from listeners who you would like to see come on as guests in the next series so send me your suggestions in the usual channels and i'll see what i can do and with that on with the show Rachel, welcome to the show.
1: Hello, hello. First
0: question we have for all of our guests, where are we?
1: We are in the bar of the Rainbow House. And for people that don't know, the Rainbow House is actually the LGBTQI umbrella organization of the Brussels region. uh, And we happen to have a bar in our house, so um, I'm pretty happy with that.
0: Yeah, not everybody who comes on the show works in the same places that they've chosen to drink in. <laughs>
1: um,
0: so tell us, why are we here? Why did you choose this place?
1: Why did I choose this bar? Uh, first and foremost, you know, to give it a little bit of visibility. Um, but it's also a special bar because I think it's in a street full of other bars. So we're in the gayborhood or the, at the heart of the gay uh, LGBTQI community here in Brussels. And a lot of people walk past the Rainbow House unknowingly, actually, because they don't realize that it is a bar. That people can just come in and come out. I think it's also due to the colours that we use; they're a bit dark. Um, But uh, a lot of the time, we do depend on uh, volunteers to keep the bar open. Uh, So yeah, I I chose to I chose to give the bar a little bit of visibility, and it's also a cool place to hang out. So that means that you know, after an eight-hour day working, I can just walk downstairs (laughs) and go and uh, get myself a beer. Yeah, Uh,
0: because as you said, I mean, this is your office. Well, the the bar isn't your office, but your office is. Upstairs, above the bar. Um, can you maybe tell me a bit about that? Like how you end, how you arrived to be working at the Rainbow House.
1: Oh, so uh, prior to working at the Rainbow House, I was working at the European uh, Parliament. Uh, like a lot of expats here, <laughs> we work at the institutions. Uh, but I just happened to start working there. I, like I originally, I moved here from the UK, from Liverpool. Uh, I know you can, you can't hear that straight away in the accent, but <laughs> I want everybody, I want everybody to understand. me and uh, because I went to a pretty good school in the uh, well in Liverpool and that's why I can fluctuate like the accent does fluctuate from time to time but I can put it on you know from time to time (laughs) I am I am a true scouser.
0: Uh, (laughs) Important question we are probably what four days after Liverpool won the first title in 30 years which side of the city do you come from?
1: uh, There's only one side. No, <laughs> of course, I'm for the Reds. I'm sorry.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, I'm 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 objective. By the way, Everton yeah. or Liverpool doesn't make a difference to me. But so you said you, you arrived here not originally to work here, but to work in the European Parliament. Is that right? Yeah.
1: So I was working at the European Parliament, uh, and prior to that, I moved here because me, yeah, my mom and my dad got divorced, and um, yeah, she met a Belgian, and then we moved to Belgium, <laughs> 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 which I thought was an annex of France. Yeah.
0: <laughs> And then you came here and you did, did you come to Brussels first? Or no, so I
1: lived in the south of Belgium first. Ah, oh, here goes the accent. Um, so I lived in the, south of <laughs> in the south of Belgium first. So I lived in Wallonia uh, and I went to school there. I lived close to Siné and then mm-hmm. I moved to Flanders. Okay. Um, and I lived close to, well, I lived in Scherpenauvel, which is kind of the Lourdes of uh, mm-hmm. Flanders. The, they have a big grotto Flanders. there. Yeah, <laughs> so they have lots of, you know, um, uh, people coming in, you know, to do their, um, God, I've forgotten the word. Anyway, To do their pilgrimages? The pilgrimage, yeah, so to do the pilgrimage, and um, then I was like, okay, I'm done with all these tiny villages. Let me go to a large, <laughs> large city, <laughs> an actual city. So I went as so I studied here in Brussels at the VUB. Yep. Um, and then I ended up working at the European Parliament. Uh, I did an internship, and then I can t- continued working. And then I w- decided that, you know, I'm done with, you know, EU politics. I just really wanted to see. Uh, I wanted to go back to being at a grassroots organisation mm-hmm. because I was already doing a lot of volunteering yeah. um, for um, home, well, in homelessness and for LGBTQI rights. Because at that time, I uh, like, I d- had my coming out and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So then I was like, okay, I want to go back to. My Grassroots, and uh, I looked around, and the Rainbow House was looking for someone, and I partook in a campaign. Actually, okay. <laughs> that's how they found me. They did this campaign called Share the Colour, mm-hmm. and it's, it's together with Equal Brussels, so it's the, the region, the region of Brussels, and they were doing a, a collaboration together with the Rainbow House, and someone called me up, and they were like, okay, can we use you for a campaign? I'm just like, okay, well, I don't mind. <laughs> uh, and then afterwards, they were like, oh, and I, I actually, you know, there's a post coming open at the Rainbow House, so if it interests you, and I was like, okay, let me try, and since then, I've just stuck around.
0: <laughs> Do you remember the first time that you came here?
1: To the Rainbow House. Mm-hmm. Actually, I do. And it was not a positive okay. experience. Um, so I came uh, because I had my coming out. And I wanted to meet other women. Mm-hmm. And I came to a group, um, which was specifically for English-speaking women. And I just Thought that they were really cold okay. with me, <laughs> and uh, when I, it wasn't really an experience, uh, wasn't a negative experience towards the house because the house, is, the house itself, like the Rainbow House, does a lot of events. Yeah. Um, but that was my first, you know, time actually deciding to take the, you know, take matters into my own hands and actually go to the Rainbow House and actually partake in something that was more uh, at an associative level, so for the yeah. associations. But then I, I didn't have a really good interaction with that particular association, but. But thereafter, I went to other events at the Rainbow House, and I really liked it because, you know, it was just everybody and anybody um, could come in and just, you know, get to know each other. And people were quite open and, yeah, just re- welcoming.
0: Yeah, and I mean, as well as working here, you've also set up your own organisation. Yeah. as well the Rainbow Nation.
1: So I set up my own ra- uh, my own ah, <laughs> I set my own organization <laughs> called Rainbow Nation, and Rainbow Nation is basically um, is the result of me not seeing myself represented in uh, prides yep. or events or LGBTQI events. So basically, when we go to Pride, you see there's lots of diversity, but there's a lot of even within uh, you know white people there's a large diversity uh, there's a large diversity, and that's also nice to see. But there's no other types of diversity, mm-hmm. so there was no diversity among the among the groups themselves and so I was thinking okay I'm, I cannot be the only black bisexual woman out here <laughs> there's no way where are these people yeah. and and also because at the time I was just um, I was dealing with a lot of questions around regarding racism and yep. I'm just like okay as a, as a victim of racism where can I go like when we speak about racism we always look at what the perpetrator does and how changing the mindset of the perpetrator really does uh, center the way we look at racism Mm-hmm. We never think about the actual victims. Like, where can they go? Where are the services for these people? Where are the psychiatrists or the psychologists? Where is the aftercare for people who are who are victims of racism? And so I thought to myself, okay, this I need to I need to create something and like I need to do something because if I don't do something, then nothing will change and then nothing will happen. Yeah. And it just so happens that I found other people who wanted to do this as well, and then they helped me co-found uh, uh, Rainbow Nation. So. yeah.
0: And, I mean, you've obviously experienced that. I've, I've I've read, you know, things that you've written and things that you've said about experiencing racism and, and discrimination in the city. How has that organization then helped you to kind of either counteract that or deal with that with other people who presumably have experienced the same things that you have?
1: Well, if, first of all, it's helped by validating you know, the experiences that I've been having or that I've had. Um, just hearing that I'm not the only one mm-hmm. uh, from other people and knowing that it's not things that I've you know, um, imagined or people have tried to gaslight me into saying never existed or never happened. Uh, and then on top of that, I thought to myself, if there's some way that I can create a network of, say, uh, psychologists that can come together that can also help other people mm-hmm. that I'm in contact with, that would also be a help. Uh, and and actually right now we're in the we're in the process of setting up a type of um, a, a type of s- it's a sponsorship for people who want to go to psychiatrists or psychologists um, that don't have the means. Hmm. Um, so we pay for partial, for for partial the partial costs of the yep. uh, of the sessions. So that's also something that we're doing, and we also do community community building activities. Um, so for me, it was first, you know, the acknowledgement of, of I'm not I'm not going crazy, uh, <laughs> and on top of that, it's also it's also good to know that we're. We're basically building a community. Yeah. So we're building, uh, it's, I'd say, to a certain extent, a chosen family yeah. uh, of people who understand each other and that want to listen actively, listen and actively do something. Um, so that's for me, is just, um, it's just, a, a po- yeah, it's super positive. It's, it's, it's been amazing. I it sounds, it yeah. sounds fantastic.
0: <laughs> it sounds great to have a community like that. I mean, the wider LGBTIQ plus community. You know, we're just well. We're We've just come out of lockdown in Brussels. Um, the reason why the bar is so quiet is because uh, <laughs> renovations are going on outside. Uh, but it's also meant that there's be, there was no Pride Festival this year. How hard was that for you guys to deal with, and, and, and how did you kind of get around the fact that you know it couldn't happen?
1: Yeah, I think um, I think not having a Pride has highlighted how important Pride actually is. Not mm. only for. Um, LGBTQI people who are white, but also LGBTQI people who are black. Last year, we had our first kind of unofficial black pride um, here in Brussels. So for us not being able to have that, um, it's been really, it's it's been an eye-opener, um, yeah. but it's also, it's also been an eye-opener on two sides. So one, the pride is extremely important, but second, it's really made us focus on what is the most important part of our community and who are the people that we're not usually listening to. Yeah. Why um, why are these people never given the mic? Um, what can we actually implement, like, c- structurally? What can we actually do in order to help the ones that are uh, at the true margins of our own community? Mm-hmm. So I think, um, yeah, Pride, is, w- it was really hard, you know, <laughs> having it online, you know, you're just having, you know, your gin and tonic behind your computer. Because yeah. <laughs> the whole like, point
0: is coming together and celebrating uh, together, and then yeah. you get to celebrate together <laughs> separately.
1: Of course. But, you, you. I mean, you can at least still see each other, yep. you know, we can at least, uh, if you've got a camera, you can see other people. But it's not the same, of course. But it's also good that we can do this right now. I mean, we have, we actually do have um, the technology, and we do have um, uh, tools that can help us in order to, in order to galvanise that sense of community. Um, so there were there were plus and uh, negative sides uh, negative sides to, uh, to to the pandemic. Yeah. But I think out of all out of all the communities in the world, I think the LGBTQI community, especially those who are Black and Brown, are the ones that know how to deal with a pandemic.
0: <laughs> a question I always ask you know we I like to take people to their favorite place, but I also you know Brussels is a big colorful white city. Where else do you like to hang out when you're not here?
1: When I'm not in the Rainbow House? When you're not in your office? I I live here. (laughs) Like, we have a couch, like, I've slept here. (laughs) Um, uh, Where else in Brussels? Ooh, I really, um, for a long time, I would really hang out in museums. So, Mm -hmm. I really do like the Musée des Beaux-Arts. So, the Beaux-Arts I like, and the actual uh, larger one. Mm -hmm. I like the Old Masters. I know it's so odd, but I really do, <laughs> I really do like the old masters. Um, I really like um, hanging out down by the canal. Um, that is also a really nice area. So when you walk down Dancer mm-hmm. uh, towards down there, I mean now it's being totally gentrified and refurbished, uh, and you know it's it's nice, but I still I still have concerns for the communities that are living down there. Um, yeah, I, I really like, um, oh my God, it's so hard. <laughs> I know, I where don't mean do to put you on the spot, where do I like but you know, that's my job. Out. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, where do I like hanging out? Oh my goodness. There's this new bar that's just opened. Um, so I live actually at the Mahol. Okay. So, <laughs> so I don't live too so far from So not too from far here. from work, no? Yeah, I'm not too far. I'm like a 15, 20 minute walk. Yeah. Um, and so there's this new bar that just opened up, uh, at the, um, kind of like the sablon, and it's kind of like hidden it's kind of hidden away from all the other bars Mm -hmm. that you see up by the Pierre Marcolini and all that place Um, I don't really like going there but um, I understand it's at the back of that and it's kind of like it used to be a rum bar actually oh
0: yes yeah Okay. And now
1: it's opened up and it's something else. I mean, they're still doing cocktails, mm-hmm. but um, I, I I went there when it was a rum bar, and I I really like finding these little quaint places that nobody kind of looks at. Kind of a little bit like the Rainbow House bar. Like you walk past it and you don't realize that it's a bar, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and then you end up walking in and you're like, oh my goodness, a new world. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Aladdin. It's like oh. <laughs>
0: I mean, you talked about you know, how you ended up in Belgium and, and eventually how you ended up in Brussels. But what keeps you in this city? Like, what are the good things about Brussels that you, th- that you think you couldn't find anywhere
1: else? Oh my god, living standards <laughs> and the cost. <laughs> <laughs> we all know, and we try and keep it a secret from the rest of the world, yeah. but it is basically the living standards and the cost. Like, I lived in, in London for a couple of years, and that was hell. <laughs> no it wasn't hell but I just I just think that you know it's just ridiculous the the cost of living and I think that you know we're kind of like I think Brussels spoils you to a certain extent I mean there's a lot there's a lot of things that you can you can be pissed off at
0: we get to that in a minute (laughs) (laughs) hold your fire okay
1: (laughs) Um, but I think Brussels to a certain extent it spoils you because it's still it's still it's it's a capital city that's still trying to hold on desperately to its village feel yeah uh, to its village mentality and it's still trying to you know retain that so that I can respect and I think there's a lot of cities in the world that are trying to emulate that to a mm-hmm. certain extent but they can't get it and Brussels has it Brussels just knows that like yeah. oh no this is this is what we're not doing Brussels just said, if Brussels says no to something then it's not happening.
0: <laughs> Even <laughs> if it says yes to yeah. something it's probably <laughs> it not going to happen for a decade you know? <laughs> but um, I mean you live in one of the I mean for people who aren't listening or for people who aren't from Brussels who are listening I mean you say you live in the Marol. that's one of the most folksy neighbourhoods in the whole of the city yeah. isn't it?
1: It's, uh, it's on the border of like the richest one of the richest uh, small areas and then one of the you know, one of, sometimes one of the poorest it's basically where the social housing are mm. and then you have the really rich with all the um, uh, galleries and and, and art uh, s- stores and 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 so forth so that's what I really do like this um, this dichotomy of having the two uh, really close together yeah and I live r- right on the border towards the, you know the social housing <laughs> I, was <laughs> <laughs> I live right on the border, and I love just you know walking up to the uh, Je de belle, yeah. so when they're, when they're having the, the, the market, um, I really love just going there and just seeing you know, the mixtures of different people, uh, you know just co- coinciding and co-living with each other like there's no mm-hmm. issues, uh, so that's why I do. I do enjoy
0: i um before I got boring and moved to the suburbs um I did live on Place de Belle, so I know oh, exactly what you're talking that's about amazing. it's a It's a neighborhood that's just it's never not busy there's no. people there twenty four hours a day <laughs> for good and for ill when you oh live on the goodness. square. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, I think sometimes the, something something crazy will happen and you'll just be like, yeah, that's brussels that is yep. that is what brussels is
0: i mean we, we you, you touched on it a little bit there are i mean brussels it's a it's an exciting it's a lovely place to live great quality of life. There are frustrating things about living in the city. That, of course. I mean, so here's your chance to spit <laughs> to spit fire about oh the things that piss you off. Oh my
1: God! <laughs> oh my good. I don't know because, like, to some extent, it's a very much a hate love relationship. But mm. of course, we're gonna lean more towards the love aspect because you can't do anything about it. If you're gonna, you know, fixate too much on the hate, you're gonna drive yourself crazy, <laughs> and that's what we're not trying to do. I mean, of course, you know, when it comes to signs, I don't know what it is with Belgians and signs; they just can't put up a sign right. Um, And, you know, works, you know, works, you know, they put up up a sign, you know, they say, and it's all done with, I think it's kind of done with, it's done jokingly to a certain extent, so they'll put up the sign that's saying, oh, the works are going on from this day until this day, And and I kid you not, and I bet that, you know, the last day when the works are supposed to take place, they'll just extend it. Uh, but they'll leave the same sign up, like they just don't care, and so works will just go on for a never-ending amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, it just never seems to stop, and when it does stop, people are quite shocked, and they and they forget real fast. So I think that's. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think oh, there's just so many things going on. But I think. A lot of the time, we tend to say, "Oh, you know, things don't work in Brussels because there's so many mayors, there's so many communes, there's so many uh, things are going on on this side. This side of the street is that part of the commune, and this other side of the street yeah. is another part of the commune." Um, but people don't understand that like, Belgium or Brussels basically came from a centralized system, so that didn't work, and now we have this one, which mm. sometimes doesn't work. <laughs> <which> <laughs>
0: I feel like, I feel, I mean, as somebody who's not from here and probably often has to explain to their friends and family what Belgium is half of the time, you can only really understand it if you live here.
1: I know, you You can't. There's no way of explaining it uh, without having, you know, you're going to play your own devil's advocate as as (coughs) well because, you know, there's good and bad things about everything, but I think for, at the end of the day, I still love Brussels and I still want to live here and I still want to stay here, so... You know, Brussels has thrown its worst at me. <laughs> <laughs> I <bet. laughs> and, and I still come back for more. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm still in love with the city.
0: Um, something I'm always interested to, to kind of ask is, like, you're not from here, I'm not from here. A lot of my guests are are people either not from here or people with uh, migrant backgrounds. Um, is there somewhere where you would live if you couldn't live in Brussels anymore?
1: Oh, that's so hard.
0: Would you go back to Liverpool, no. for example? No? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love Liverpool. I love the people in Liverpool and I love being from the north and <laughs> I love the north. <laughs> but I just know I could not go back now that I've known now that I've known that there's better. And I think being from the UK, it's also kind of weird because mm. you understand the level of propaganda that we've just swallowed, you know, throughout our lives, thinking that y- the UK is amazing. And it is, to a certain extent, it is amazing. We have we have good things in the UK, but we also have really shit things, <laughs> really crap things that we haven't, that we don't want to uh, address. Yeah. And I think it's to our own detriment, considering the history that we have, considering the uh, the you know the un uh... The, the, the future that we've chosen. To <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean we're talking euphemistically, but I mean it's the Brexit. Bre- I was gonna say it's the B-word, isn't it? Yeah, Brexit, it's, it's it?
1: Brexit. It's you know just, and I think also the fa- the fact that we've you know that we've given in to a lot of the pro- the propaganda that we we, we self-feed ourselves, yeah. uh, that we feed ourselves, um, that has given way to Brexit and us thinking of having this very you know uh, blown up version of of of, of thinking of ourselves. Um, Yeah, I'm just. I'm. I'm really. I'm really scared for the UK for the future. I've just told everybody you've got to start learning a second language. (laughs) Um, So uh, yeah, now that we started talking about Brexit, now that's yeah. We can. We can.
0: We can can get on to uh, lighter or heavier matters. Um, I mean, you talked about dealing with with the history. We're talking, obviously, um, at a very particular moment in time when there's a global anti-racist movement on the rise. Mm -hmm. How do you think Brussels is fitting into that or dealing with it or engaging with it?
1: I think Brussels, I think the world actually is, is is being forced to deal with it. So they're being forced to react now. They're mm. being forced to listen. Uh, and I think that they're trying to get to the point where they want to actively listen and, yep. uh, to what minorities have been saying for a very long time. In Brussels, now we're seeing the removal of a lot of the statues. Um, a lot of organizations that have been working for this for a, m- a multitude of decades mm. uh, are finally seeing the fruition of their work, which is, you know, which is very very hopeful, um, and I'm also very hopeful because you know I work in the social cultural sector. Yep. So for me, it's a, it's a good sign. But um, for me, I'm I'm very much questioning like where are we going to from this if it doesn't come paired with actual structural change. What are we doing? Are we just all sharing a black square and mm. then just continuing on with life, or are we actually going to use the momentum that we've built up right now in order act to to implement some structural changes? And I think that the um, Brussels City is trying to do its best r- with that in regard. I think they've got a multitude of um, a couple of action plans, especially yeah. regarding LGBTQI people right now um, and other minorities. Um, I think the you know the implementation of buzzwords such as intersectionality. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, are you know popping up more and more, but you know uh, I'm 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 very much because it's part of my job, so I'm very much pushing for the structural the structural changes and what this what type of action comes with this um, because you know more often than not we'll lead to you know some type of campaign mm. and then that'll be the end of that. It's yep. like oh no, it's, we've dealt with it now. So like you know Black Lives Matters, we know uh, and that's we've it. We've done it. We've done it. We've ticked, we've the, box it. We've with, ticked the box yeah. and now everything's done. We want to be. We want to push further than just ticking boxes. I mean, it's good to have boxes because then we know who's speaking, um, and it's good to have boxes that are de- that are defined and determined by the very people that they are uh, listing. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I I think that Brussels is moving uh, a lot faster than usual because usually <laughs> it takes 50 years before anything changes here. Yeah, I mean, usually the saying is like, if the end of the world happens today, it's only in 50 years that will happen in Belgium. Um, so uh, I think that actually they're they're moving they're moving faster than usual. So it's Uh, it's actually positive
0: that's good um i mean as you said these things they take time in belgium more than they take (laughs) seemingly anywhere yeah
1: belgium has a warped (laughs) version of time (laughs) i like
0: i mean i like that in the sense that things happen slowly here yeah but when they need to happen quickly Mm. (laughs) mm. (laughs) anyway we've, we've 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 given out about the city enough um the, the last thing I like to do with my guests before we wrap up is a rapid-fire question where I shoot you a question you give me the first answer that comes into your head, okay? No. It's, not, it's not scary. It's, <laughs> not, it's, not, it's nothing deep. I think we've covered oh the, the important God. topics. But you just, you just, you know, just stream of consciousness. Okay, Are you good. ready? I'm
1: about to lose my job. Okay, let's yeah. go. <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, favorite Brussels neighborhood? Marol Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, place Chatelain or place U de place hu de Yeah. Favorite Brussels restaurant?
1: Oh my God, it's gonna be so hard. Ah, oh, ah. Oh. Okay, f- I'm gonna do two. No, I have to do two. So, Bois de Ben and Vismet.
0: Okay. Um, Brussels waffles or Liege waffles?
1: Liege waffles.
0: French or Dutch?
1: Dutch. Dutch.
0: Zwangerhi <laughs> <laughs> uh, or stromei? Uh Stump or mussels? Stump. Favorite Brussels celebrity?
1: they've got celebrities here (laughs) 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 harsh,
0: harsh, that's too harsh that's too harsh, I think on that harsh point (laughs) shocking, shameful Um, I think on that point we'll just wrap it up then Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Rachel thank you very much for being a guest on the show
1: Ah, thank you, (laughs) bye
0: And that's all for today's episode of the Brussels Beer City podcast. Thanks again to my wonderful guest, to all my listeners, and a special shout out as usual to the excellent illustrators I've worked with on this season of the Brussels Beer City podcast. Julian Kremer, AKA Crump, for the podcast logo, and to Helinda Marl for this season's wonderful episode artwork. Check them out on Instagram. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do consider leaving a rating and a review. If you want to get in touch, you can email me at owen at or you can find out more information about me and the podcast at Brussels/podcast. But until the next time, thanks for listening.